Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 142. And today I'm talking with my daughter Sophie. Sophie is 17 and you regularly join me on my podcast, don't you, Sophie? Yeah, it's becoming more and more of a frequent thing. I think people like to hear about unschooling from a teenager's point of view. At least I hope they are, because <laughs> we've got a long conversation planned, haven't we? A lot of things on my list that I would like to discuss with you. Okay? We, we always have so much to talk about. I think in real life and on podcasts, don't we? Oh, definitely. We're always talking. Yes, I didn't find it any trouble at all to note down some topics that we could discuss. Oh, no, it's been quite an eventful month or so since we last spoke. Yes, lots of things have been happening. If you are a regular listener of my podcast, you might already suspect some of the things that we're going to be discussing, such things as NaNoWriMo and socialization and what else? Oh, what Sophie is doing, her big plans. <laughs> I mentioned that last week, but I didn't give you a hint of what she's about to start doing. It's going to be the biggest letdown after you built it up. <laughs> I don't think so. I think everybody is very interested in what you are doing, what your plans are. And I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed. Yeah, well, we'll get on to that in a little while. What else are we going to talk about, Sophie? Are we going to talk about exercise in your running? recent things that have happened yes but what i want to start with sophie is i think it was episode 133 the last one we did together a balanced and productive unschool life that was the last one we sat down and recorded together do you remember yes and you were talking about how you were trying to balance all your passions plus your working life plus a bit of sleep and all the other things that you have to do in your life you remember that oh yes well, can you tell us how you're getting on? Have you managed to balance your life? I should hope so because I have more to balance than ever now. But I think I'm on the way to being more balanced and productive than I've been ever before. Yeah, so you've taken on something extra recently, haven't you? Oh, yes. We're a couple gonna... of things extra. A couple of things? Yes, because NaNoWriMo is on this month. That's right. So we're going to talk about all those. But just tell me... Several things that are helping you balance your life. What have you been trying and what's working for you? Well, one of the big things is like prioritizing my things I have to do. I have a lot of things I want to do every day, but mm. I'm learning to prioritize which ones come first and which ones I have to do and which ones are less important so that I know that once I've got those important things done and I try to do the important things first, so that if I run out of energy or time, then I don't. It doesn't matter so much if I don't get the other things done. I've been trying like schedule my day. So like throughout the day, I'm at work. And when I get home, I'm like, well, dinner to seven, I'm doing this, and then seven to eight, I'm doing that, and then I've got a big thing. I have to be in bed by nine. And Imogen is really good at helping me with this. If I ever forget, she starts getting on my back, and she's like. Okay, you have to turn off your computer now and go to bed. Make sure you get enough sleep. <laughs> so your big sister is bossing you around. In a good way. It's a friendly kind of thing. Like She knows 
that it's important to me to get to sleep. And sometimes I just can't turn myself off because I get so engrossed. So it's kind of a mutual thing that she just have the agreement that she can come in and she goes, okay, now you have to stop. You've hit your limit. Go to bed. So it's with uh, your permission. She, oh, yes. You actually appreciate her interest in what you're doing and her reminder that the time is getting on and you should because get to bed. Otherwise, I have been known to stay out longer than I intended to when I get into something and I just lose track of time because I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing. So you say you have to prioritize things. So what comes first on your list? I, that is the big secret that you've been holding. <laughs> <laughs> big secret. No, it's not a secret. It's your study, isn't it? Yes. We'll talk about what exactly you're doing in a minute, but you're studying. Yes. I'm studying now, and that is my most important thing because study is, of course, very important. So you start your day off with exercise. Yes. So, then you go to work. So it's like mornings, I get up early, I exercise, I, I run and go to the gym, I go to work, I come home, I let myself relax for 20 minutes before dinner. Then I go, okay, dinner's done, study for a few hours. And then I've, I'm doing NaNoWriMo this month. So I write for about an hour or so, depending on how many words I want to get done that day and how much energy I have. Then I let myself relax for a little while, either playing games with Emmy or reading books or something, and then I go to bed by 9, 8.30 to 9 o'clock's bedtime. And also I've noticed if I get up early in the morning, which I usually do, some mornings you're writing early as well. You've got up about half past five and you'll spend half an hour writing before you exercise. Yeah, get... It helps me get some of the things I want to get done in the day done early. So if I run out of energy later on in the day and I don't have time to do those other more hobbies things, then I've already made a dent in my to-do list. So you're a morning person. You'd prefer to get up early and get uh, the things that are important to you done first rather than rely on doing them when you're tired in the evening. Oh, definitely. I found evening energy is so unreliable and your motivation just drops so much after a long day. I'm the same way. I prefer to get up early. Even if I'm tired and haven't had a good night's sleep, I find that I can still work for a few hours in the morning and then I know that I've done something valuable and I can relax and sort of fall apart later yeah. on. It, it does... gives you a sense of ease and you're not so stressed later on in the day. Can you hear those drugs out there? <laughs> I know. They're not our dogs, so we can't really do anything about them. Yeah, they're we? our neighbours. We just hope that they're not making too much noise in the background. As we're talking about balance and exercise, we've just mentioned you get up early to exercise. You go for a run or you go to the gym or some mornings you've gone for a run with me and Gemma Rose and then you've gone to the gym <laughs> with Imogen, haven't you? And yes. then you've gone to work. And um, it all seems a bit excessive to me, but it's what you enjoy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love doing it. Okay, so let's move on to the run you did recently. I was talking about this in one of my recent podcasts, how you and Gemma Rose entered a 10K race, right? Yes. And I was telling everybody that the lead up to the race wasn't ideal preparation for you. <laughs> oh, no, it was like the worst preparation ever. So a couple of months before the race, I felt on top of my game. This was going to be my very first 10K, 
and my distances were increasing. I could run more than 10k easily. But then a few things came up which kind of ruined my preparation. Namely, I had oral surgery. So I had my wisdom, all four of my wisdom teeth surgically removed. And then I was ill and I had many issues like coming up to the preparation which stopped me from training. And you also had foot problems, didn't you? Yes, I had a lot of foot issues. And so... It wasn't ideal. So you did have a training plan because you were going to train with Gemma Rose, weren't you? Yes. And she ended up going out by herself a lot of the time because you weren't well. Yes. And I think from my memory, you did only three 10K runs in the lead up to the in race. In the two weeks before the race, I did only three, no, the three weeks before the race, I only did no, three 10 I think it was more than that because you had your surgery. Yeah, but before those three weeks, I wasn't even training because I was sick and I had surgery. So it was only three weeks of training I had for my very first 10K. And you did only three 10K runs in all that time. Yes. And what did I do? I came up to you and said, hey, Sophie, do you think you're taking on a little bit more than you can cope with? Do you think it would be a good idea if you only ran in the 5K and build up your fitness again and uh, be sensible about it. Yes? And what did you say? I was like, no, I want to do the 10K. I was like, I was so determined. I was like, no, I'm not backing down. I've been telling myself for months I'm going to do this. It felt like I would be betraying myself to do the 5K instead. So you had set yourself a challenge and you wanted to push through with it. Yes, like, I knew the odds were against me and things had come up which I hadn't planned for. But I set this goal and I'd been planning so hard and working towards it so hard for six months. And then you just had an unfortunate six-week period before the race. Yeah, I could have done it so easily before, a couple of months before. But it just, then, it just all fell to pieces. So we know in the future never to schedule surgery around the time you're going to have a race. Yes, for definite. Anyway, I left you to it in the end. I just said, made that suggestion and you said that you were going to do the 10K after all and I just backed off about it. But looking back, I really wished that I hadn't even made that suggestion. I wish that I just trusted that you knew what you were doing and let you get on with it. But you got on with it anyway, didn't you? Oh, yes. Mum's comment just filled me with this fire. I'm like, no, I have to prove her wrong. I can do a 10K. Well, I'm sorry that I made you feel that you have to prove me wrong. (laughs) I should have been a lot more supportive and encouraging. And I must say I'm glad that I didn't keep on at you about it, but I wish I hadn't actually said anything in the first place. So anyway, both you and Gemma Rose entered the race, yeah? Yes. And we, Dad and I came with you and Charlotte too as yes. well. We came as your support team and took the cameras and... They were our cheering squad. And it's such a lovely atmosphere at a race, Oh, it's it? so exciting. The energy is... The, everyone's just so excited about it. And there's nothing like it. It's because, I think, uh, you get a big group of people who are all passionate about the same thing, right, isn't it? Yes. And... Yeah, there's such energy. But also I think all those people, even though they were all very competitive, were all very friendly as well. Yeah, it was a, it's a friendly kind of competition. 
and everyone's always so happy for each other. And you run along and you'll see people on the course cheering on strangers as they overtake them. It's like the nicest thing ever. Though I tell the story about the little boy who face-planted himself on the ground. Oh, it was the saddest story ever. So it was fairly close to the start of the race, and this mother and her son were running along. How old was the son? He was only, he was really young. Like it, The youngest was, I think, eight. She had to be eight to run, I yeah, think. He was, so about eight? He was about eight. He was a very young boy. And I was going, oh, no, hats off to a child that young to be running a five-kilometre race. And the child's running along, and he tripped. He fell face-first down on the tarmac, and his face came up, and it was covered in all these scratches and those blood and his mum grabs him and hauls him up to his feet and she's like come on keep going so she grabbed his back of his collar and got him back on his feet and made him keep going yeah, she just pulled him up there wasn't a stop to go are you all right darling how are you it was you have to keep going <laughs> competitive mother hey oh yes she was determined her child was going to do well he didn't have any choice. He had to just keep on going. I know. I felt so sorry for the child. I suppose he'll grow up tough. <laughs> <laughs> I was standing on the sidelines and there were other people dotted about or watching. And there was one father as his son came running by and he's shouting at him, come on, come on, you can do better than that. <laughs> You're getting caught by somebody. Come on, keep going, catch that other person up. I thought, oh my goodness me. <laughs> Some competitive parents know, out there. But then you get to the older people and then you see the people, especially the you know, 50 plus age group, and they're all the nicest people ever. And they'll be coming along near you and they'll yell out encouragement even as you run past them and overtake them. They'll cheer you on. Oh, that's really good. All right, I want to talk about how you felt at the 5K mark. What happened at the 5K? Because that's halfway through the race. So I felt like before that, I felt I had been having a fairly good run. I felt like it was going well. My pace was steady and I felt fairly good. But I was wearing my watch at the time while I was running. What, my your... GPS watch, so that I could keep an eye on my pace. So your tracker, your running yeah. tracker. And as I passed the 5K mark, I glanced down at my watch, and I had this moment of panic. It was the fastest time I could ever remember running five kilometers. You'd run your best 5K ever. During a 10K. I was like, oh no, I've overpaced. I won't be able to finish. I was like... What am I going to do? <laughs> you felt you were going to die in the yeah, last... Yeah, I was certain that I couldn't hold it. I never ran this speed. How was I going to hold it for another five kilometers? But I still felt good. And I kept running. And I kept the pace up. And I managed to keep the same pace the whole run. It was the most consistent pace I think I've ever ran. So you ran, you ran over the finish line. How did it feel? It was the most exhilarating feeling ever. It was just this moment of, I've done it. I did it. And then you collapsed just past the finish line. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I've done. And I just collapsed on the ground in exhaustion. So is that because you knew you had done it and you, your body just let, let go? Yeah, it was just, I couldn't go any further. I pushed myself to the limits. And then, of course, 
I came running along thinking something had gone wrong, but you were sitting on the ground with sitting, a big smile on yeah, your face. I was the happiest I'd ever been. So you did a good 10K run. Your best 10K ever? Yes, I think it's the best 10K pace I've ever done. All right, so Gemma Rose came over the line before you, didn't she? Yes. I have to say that because <laughs> she's the fittest of the two of us and she is the runner of the family. Well, you're pretty good yourself, but yes, we'll give credit to Gemma Rose. She did ex- excellently, didn't she? She was nine minutes faster than I was. Which is pretty good because she's, what, three years younger than you. I know. <laughs> but anyway, I tell you, talking about that because we waited for the medal ceremonies, didn't we? Yes. And we ex- we were hoping that Gemma Rose would get a medal. We we were, she's in an age group where there's not a lot of runners in the 10 kilometer and she's fast. I will say that for her. She is very fast and she's dedicated. So we had a hope that she might get something. Though she didn't expect it herself. She wanted to just pack up and go home. Yes, she wasn't counting on it, was she? No. And her name was called and she got second, didn't she, in her age group. And she went up and collected the medal. And it was the most exciting moment. One of our family had won something and I was so happy for her. We were really excited. Yes. And then... I guess you thought, that right, that's it, we'll go home now. Yeah. We've got, Gemma Rose has got a medal. Literally, Gemma Rose went, okay, let's go home. And we're like, about to pack up and leave. And then my group came up, my age group. And they announced your name as the winner of your age group. And I was just like, blink, blink, what's happened? Your jaw just <laughs> dropped. But when you came back with that medal, the look on your face was just wonderful. It was disbelief. Because I've never been a runner, I it's just it's something I do as a hobby, but I've never been dedicated to it before. This is the most dedicated preparation, and I didn't feel like I done that well. Well, you did. You came over that finish line. I pushed myself to my limits, but I didn't feel like I was comparable with the other runners that were out there. So you came, you got the first place medal for your age group. Yes. And I got a photo of you. And what I really love about the photo is the man in, in the, the background. background. And he's got a big grin on his face as if he is he really happy. happier than I did. Well, I, Which was saying something. <laughs> and that's what I really loved about um, the, the gathering was everybody was happy for each other. Apart from those pushy parents, you know, <laughs> that was that just made us smile. But as a whole, even though it was competitive, it was also very friendly. Yes. It's a nice environment to be in. And so we came home with two medals. Yes. I say we. I didn't win anything because I didn't even run. <laughs> the family claimed two medals. But what I think is amazing is that I was trying to persuade you not even to enter that race and you came home not only running your best 10K time ever but also with a medal. And if I had kept on at you about it, oh, you've got to be sensible, you know, take – Take more time, be reasonable about the whole thing. You would have missed out on that experience and the joy that you uh, had, that look on your face. And I mean, you were on a high for a while, weren't you? I was just in shock the whole day. Every time someone mentioned it, I was like, I didn't do that, did I? I really want a medal. And so if you had listened to me, you wouldn't have had that experience. No, I don't think I could have won a five-kilometer race, I am not a speed runner. So I think you and Gemma Rose do better over longer distances. You've got more stamina. But 
It just goes to show that parents don't always know what's best for their children and that we should trust you to make your own decisions. You know what you can do. And what would have happened if you hadn't done the distance? Would it have been that bad? Do you think? Do you think sometimes uh, you don't go into things knowing you can do them? You go into things trying to do your best, but you don't always know the outcome. And we shouldn't just limit ourselves to the things we know we can do. You've got to go and push yourself, haven't you? Oh, definitely. Take a risk. The big thing was I knew I could do a 5K and I knew I could do it decent, but I, I didn't know if I could do a 10K. I didn't feel like I'd be pushing myself as hard to do the 5K. I would have been so disappointed if I just let myself settle for second best. Yes. But what what if you hadn't finished a distance? Would you have wished that you'd listened to me to start with or would it have been okay? I would have at least walked over the line. Even if I had to walk the rest of the distance, I would have walked over the line and know I pushed myself as hard as I could and I had done my best I think, and I tried. I think that I would have been just as proud of you if you hadn't done a good time, if you had had trouble finishing, if you hadn't got the medal. It was just the trying that would have made me proud, you know, that you weren't afraid to go out there and give it a go. Yeah. And it really wasn't the medals all the times that gave us the joy, was it? Oh, no. It would have been great no matter whether we'd got a medal or a personal best or anything. Because last year... Um, we didn't come home with any medals. There was no medals, no personal best times. Oh, I think Jim Rose got a personal she best. She got a best time. I didn't get a best time. But it was still so exciting and it's still one of the best days I've ever lived. I think that's because you were doing something that you're very passionate about with other people and the whole atmosphere was so wonderful. Just to be a part of that, doing something that you really enjoy it really does make you feel happy, doesn't it? Oh, it does. There's that joy from being involved in... You can't help but smile when you get around those people. So it was a good experience. It was. And you're going to go back again next year? Yes, and I have more runs we've added onto next year's list. Yeah, we've got at least a couple of other runs. And it's not for the winning. It's more for it's challenging yourself. Challenging yourself and doing something you really enjoy and getting involved in events with other people. And see, it, it motivates you in a different way when you can compare yourself to other people and meet up and you know, be around people who are so enthusiastic about the things you are. And also, I guess that it helps you get through the day-to-day -day running, that if you've got something you're working towards. Exactly, that you'll get up and get out there every morning when you don't really want to because there's a big event coming up. It gives you a focus. Yes. Whether you win or not is irrelevant. It's just being part of the event, being one of the people that's there on the day doing something. Yes. Okay, then. Well, I think we've uh, talked about the race. <laughs> that was a good day. I mean, that was only, what, two weeks ago. But I know. It, it feels like it was a lifetime ago already. It does. But so many things have happened recently, haven't they? Oh, yes. It's been an exciting month exciting month all right then let's get on to the main event shall we we're talking about excitement you said when we were talking about balancing your day that between dinner and what seven o'clock or something you, dinner and seven you study every evening all right tell everybody what you've decided to study i've just enrolled in a certificate three 
certificate four and a couple of units from the certificate three in fitness. Fitness, and um, is that what it's called? Yes, it's the certificate four in fitness. What will that give you a qualification to do? That will let me go on to be a personal trainer. A personal trainer. But if you do all the units, you can also do... There was a special deal when I got the course. So the course name is the Complete Personal Trainer, which is the required units of the Certificate 3 and the units of the Certificate to get into the Certificate 4 and all the Certificate 4 units. And that gives you the qualification to become a personal trainer. But when I enrolled, there was a special deal to get the rest of the units from the Certificate 3 for free, which, of course, because I was looking into getting that anyway, I immediately jumped on board. So that would give me the added qualification to be able to do group training as well as one-on-one personal training. And also, you're going to do a few nutrition units, aren't you? Yeah, and there's you a could, couple thrown in. And you could afterwards go on and finish the nutrition course as well, which will give you the qualification to do group exercise, personal training, and nutrition. Um, so advi- yeah. advise people about nutrition. Yeah? Yes. Do the whole package. Yes. So what you actually want to do is work with your passion of fitness and exercise. Definitely. Finally do something which I'm really passionate about. Because you're not really passionate about cafe work, even though you've been enjoying it. It's fun, but coffee's a coffee. You can't really have a lot of passion about it. Uh, Well, some people do. Some people do. It's not my passion. Well, I like drinking it. (laughs) Drinking it's the fun part. Okay. So, but cafe work is... um, It's a means to an end. It's what you've been doing to give you money to do what you really want to do. Yes. All right, now, um, that leads me to this question. You, uh, Quite a few people you've been talking to have asked you what you're doing, and you say, I'm 17, and they say, you're still at school. What do you say? I'm like, no, I've, I've finished with school. I haven't finished with learning, but I'm f- officially, I have finished what enro- being enrolled in homeschooling. So... You no longer have to worry about the legal aspects of school. You don't have to be registered as a homeschooler. So you're free to do whatever you like. Yes. As far as most people are concerned, I'm done. School is over. All right. Now, when you were having your wisdom teeth out, right, (laughs) you told me this story later on, that you were being wheeled away to surgery. And I suppose the nurses wanted to keep you feeling relaxed. And so they talked to you about what you've been doing in your life, who you are, and are you at school and all that. So tell us about that conversation. Well, the first, everyone's first question was, are you at school? Because I assumed I had time off from school and I would be enjoying a big break from school. I was like, no, actually I work. And they're like, oh, you work? And then they're always like, you know, where do you work and what do you do? And I was like, well, I work full-time in a cafe. And everyone sort of does a double take and like, you work full-time in a cafe kind of thing. A little bit surprised that at 17, I'm working full-time. And also you're only only <laughs> doing cafe work. Yeah. Yeah, like, haven't you got any ambitions? Yeah. Don't you want to go on into university or at least finish your schooling? The question you get a lot after that is, is that what you want to do with your life? And my answer was always, no. <laughs> like, I have bigger ambitions than making your coffee for the rest of my life. But it doesn't sound uh, 
sort of very much full. It doesn't sound glamorous. No, it doesn't. And people wonder why you drop out of school to become a barista. Yeah. yeah. That's the impression they get straight away, isn't it? Yeah. Why aren't you in school? At least finish your schooling before you drop out and then just do a, a regular, you know, sort of an ordinary type job. Yeah. I guess they expect most people to finish school and go to university. It's the standard way of doing things, I suppose. Well, tell me. And work is sort of like a weekend thing that you do for pocket money. Well, that's what the other girls your age are doing at the cafe, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, where I work, all the other employees around my own age, it's their pocket money job. So they go to school during the week while you're working and they join you at the weekend to do their pocket money. Yes. And they're quite surprised that you've been there all week while they've been in school. I have had the question before from other girls I work with turning around going, how do you work full time? It's what I have to do to do what I want. So you've been working since you're 15 and now you're 17. Yes. Do you think that you gave yourself a good education? Like it sounds like you just dropped out of your learning, right? <laughs> I just because dropped out and started working. Yeah, because if you'd been at school... I only, would have been a dropout. You would have because there's no way you could have done the hours of work as well as go to school full-time. Yeah. So it does sound like you swapped one for the other, that you swapped your education to work. But it's not like that, is it? Oh, definitely not. The whole time I've been working, I've always had other things on the go and other plans I'm working on. And there's always been a bigger picture to it than just making coffee for the rest of my life. But people don't realize that at first because I think that it's a fairly unconventional plan that you've come up with here. You're not following the normal pathway. So people can only see that either you're in school or in university and studying, or you've dropped out and you're working. Or you're working part-time and studying. But not that you're giving yourself a good education while you are... Working and saving up to actually study. So that's the next point I want to make is, well, let's go back a little way to the nurse that you were talking with before you had your surgery. Did you get a chance to explain to her exactly what you're doing? I did actually explain what I was working towards, yes. And that changed her whole view of your cafe work? Yes, she was actually quite surprised about just how big I was dreaming at 17. She was like, wow, you have your whole life worked out ahead of you. I was like, I have a dream. And what did she say about that, that not many people would do that? Yeah, she she was so surprised that this was what I had chosen to do. She hadn't heard of anyone doing exactly what I do before. So most people would consider school and then university a good plan, yes? Yes. It's the safe plan, the responsible plan. Not that that will particularly lead you into a good job because there's a lot of university students who don't actually have jobs. Oh, no. It's not guaranteed that you'll get a degree and a job. So I asked you about university, didn't I? I even asked you, did you just want to do some open university units to get... Uh, My like... HSC equivalent. Yes, and you decided not to do that? Why is that? Well, a big part of it is I don't believe in going in and forcing myself to study something which I'm not at all interested in. The style of university study has never attracted me. And the other thing I had was I didn't want to go into debt doing something I did not enjoy and that I didn't feel I would use in the future. 
because I think a lot of people just go on to university as the next step because it's expected, and a lot of people get themselves into debt. Now I know that I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school. And it was expected that if you could get into university, if you were clever enough, then you, that was the next step. If you went and got a job, you, you were considered unsmart. That's right. You were. You the only reason you didn't go was because you couldn't get high enough marks to get in. So everybody went. But at that time, I was very fortunate that education was free, tertiary education. Yes. So I didn't get myself into debt. But you have to be a lot more careful these days because. Thousands and thousands of dollars it costs to go to university. I know, and that was what scared me because I didn't want to be paying off debt for the rest of my life or for many years to come for something I would never use and which I hated doing. It, it, the whole idea of it, just I hated that idea. Okay, but you don't hate the idea of study. No, study itself isn't something I dislike. If it's something which I'm interested in and passionate about, so you have chosen to do this fitness course, which will give you a qualification to really to be your own boss. Yes, and to do what I'm actually interested in. It's to an ends which I'm really excited about, and I'm happy to do the study if it's for a means which I'm excited for. What I'm really proud、um, of you for is the fact that. You're paying for it yourself. You're not going into debt to do this, are you? You、no. have been saving all your wage, well, a lot of your wages, and you actually had enough money to pay for the course up front. Yes, I I had the money. I saved as hard as I could, and I got this course straight off the bat. I could pay for it, and I knew what it would cost me. And I was like, I'm only doing this course on the terms that I can pay for it straight out. So I think that's pretty good for seventeen, and you've already saved up enough money to pay for your、uh, extra education. You know, you, for after school、yes. education. So, well, it's tertiary, isn't it? Because it's after school. Yeah, it's not on the level of getting a degree or a diploma or anything, but it is a, re- a recognised form of qualification, and it will get me into an area of work which I am so excited about. Let's go back a little. Now, we were talking the other day, and I can't quite remember what you said, but we were talking about how TAFE courses. This is a TAFE course rather than a university. Not、course. TAFE. It's run through somewhere other than TAFE. But it's equivalent. It's a, it's an equivalent style of training to the sorts of things you do at TAFE. Okay, so it's not university. It's not a degree. It's not a diploma. It's a certificate of education. Okay, which is under those two. But we was. Talking about how this sort of course is more suited to unschoolers than a、uh, university in some ways. Yes. Now tell me how you th- came to that conclusion. Well, it's very the focus on it is very much the focus on what you'll be doing with it afterwards, and it's very much a hands-on kind of thing. All the information you're being given, it's not like your my sister Imogen who studied writing. She's studying writing. And then she had to go and study economics on the side, which had and law and law and things which have nothing to do with what you're doing. When I'm doing this course, it's all about nutrition and personal training and fitness and anatomy and muscles and all kinds of things which relate to my course. Everything is about personal training and it's interesting topics. 
I guess when you go to university and you do all that legal stuff and the economics, and that all might come in handy one day. So it's not information that is irrelevant necessarily. But what I think you're, we're talking about is that you can pick and choose your education in smaller uh, amounts. So you'll do the personal training and then you might come back and do nutrition. But and you, you can focus on what you're interested in. Yes. So you've got more choice rather than signing up for a three-year degree. Yes, and in that, you get more information in this course about what you're interested in than you would if you're doing, go back to the writing course example, you're doing a, a degree in writing and hardly any of those units will actually contain anything about writing. And so I'll be gathering more information than I would have if I'd studied fitness through some degree. Yes, yeah, so I think that what you're saying is, or what we're both saying is, that it's more practical-based rather than uh, theory-based. Yeah. So you're getting out there and you're doing it and learning by doing. Yes. And, of course, you'll have the background knowledge that you have to learn. For example, you were starting with anatomy the other day and you have been learning about the rest. The respiratory system, the cardiovascular system, the nervous system, all those kind of things. And what I found really interesting, Sophie, was I said to you, have you heard of all those before? Because I... Mum never did biology with me. She did that with my older siblings, but... Oh, well, not even... Not mm, even in much depth, but... Maybe the very first couple. Yeah, the very first got biology. And then by the time it came to me, I wasn't interested in biology it wasn't my area of excitement but you say that but when we put biology under the heading of biology right is a subject that you've got to study at school it sounds boring boring yeah <laughs> you get a textbook out and you'll have to learn all the facts but when you're listening to podcasts about health and fitness for example when you're telling me about the latest research to do with allergies or food intolerances or uh foods for particular like for stamina for muscle building you are absorbing a lot of science along the way and you don't aren't you oh yes my knowledge of anatomy is a lot greater than it sometimes feels like it should be so I think that you probably picked up a lot of biology, human biology, all the different sciences. You picked up the same knowledge that I would have picked up at school, except it was relevant to you and interesting to you because you wanted to learn it and you went out and found out about it, where I learned it from a textbook and I was examined on it and I memorized it. And then you couldn't remember any of it. Later on. But because it's relevant to me and it. The reason I learnt it was it was connected to something I was truly interested in. It sticks with me. Whereas with people who learn it from a textbook, it doesn't really stick. They memorise it for an exam. A week after the exam, they can't remember what they wrote. I agree with you totally there. But what I'm saying is also that you're doing this course and you're doing anatomy and you're learning about the body. It... It's quite involved, really, isn't it? You're learning a lot. Oh, yes. It's not a university degree. But, but it's, in t it's quite in-depth. And the things they go over is fascinating. Like I'm, I've only just begun, but it is fascinating to do it. I'm looking forward to study after work. Sometimes if it's a hard day at work, it's the thought of going home and studying which gets me through. And I'm like, is this what study is like? 
your idea of study is you're supposed to hate it and it's supposed to be that job you do to get to an end but I'm like I'm excited to do it and life is amazing well this is very lovely for you but it's sad for everybody not sad for those people who do study and feel like it's a burden and they have to do it if they want to get the qualification that will let them do whatever they like it's not a lot of everybody that approaches study with such excitement a lot of people think well I've, I'm excited about this bit or this bit but, but they don't want to do the midpoint it's that it's a means to an end for so many people and they're so excited for the, for what they get at the end but the study is just daunting and painfully boring to some people but not to everybody because dad did a master's of uh teaching didn't oh, he Oh, he loved it he loved everything he came home and every night he'd be raving about what he'd been doing so i think what the point is is you have to go into university with that passion and yeah. passion and realize that it might be boring in places but it's what you get to do is so exciting and you've got this great opportunity and you have to have a really open and positive mind to what you're doing but also i think you have to before you start the university course have to ask yourself is there a better way for me to learn what i need to know to do what i want to is do is there an alternate method which for me to be a personal trainer i can't be certified and qualified without it. no one will take you seriously and you can't get hired and if dad wanted to be a teacher the department of education can't hire a teacher who isn't trained and qualified but for some people there are other methods than the traditional school university job method well you could have gone to university and studied fitness if you oh, wanted to definitely. but you want to do the practical I side went, i went the slightly off course method and found my own way which would do it which is more exciting and makes me so passionate about it but then again some other people might have an interest in fitness and want to do research yeah they well, might not be interested so much in the hands on you know practical approach that i'm going through. so i think that there is because people think that you have to be more clever cleverer you know to be, go to university but not necessarily is that what you should choose because i think you could have gone to university oh, i could have it's not that i'm dumber than the rest of my siblings who went to university and i couldn't have gotten in i'm sure i could have gone into university and written essays and done assignments but, but you don't it, want to it do it wasn't the route i wanted to do in fact i feel like i'm kind of smarter finding a different way of doing it which is the clever way <laughs> Yeah, you started to earn money straight away. But the other <laughs> I have a source of money. I'm doing something I love. <laughs> the other thing I think, Sophie, is that doing this course, if you want to go on to university in the future, just say that you get tired of being a personal trainer and you think, "Look, I really would like to get into the area of fitness research." Then this course will give you a foot in because a lot of the TAFE courses, college courses, whatever, they are recognized as a way into university they'll give you a credit for that oh yes it's higher it's a higher level of education than you would have got through doing hsc which would then give me the step i need to get into higher education like a degree because i'd suddenly have the level of education necessary for it you could do the course see how you go and if you think oh look i really want to study more your options are open you yeah. can do that whereas right now 
there are so many, like an on-campus typical university I couldn't get into because I didn't, as far as, you know, forms of education can see, I didn't finish high school and I'm not ready to go into tertiary learning. No. All right. Now, I want to go a bit further talking about this personal training course, right? Now, that's not the end of it. That's People might think, oh, look, she's going to be a personal trainer. I've got a standard job. I'm just going to do that for the rest of my life. You're going to just put on your workout gear every morning and you're going to train people individually in fitness, right? Which is good because you're oh, going to enjoy that. I'm going to love that side of things. But that's not your biggest dream, is it? Oh, no. All right, come on. Tell us where you hope that this will lead. I'm hoping this will lead to my own business and I'll be able to go in and start something up online, like building my own courses, selling my own ebooks, building my own brand online and selling things that I do. And having a YouTube channel? Oh, yes. I've done YouTube in the past and it's so much fun. Definitely want to do it again. So you have a number of people you follow on YouTube and on Instagram, fitness people, right? Who do exactly exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and you've actually bought a few of their fitness courses and ebooks and things? Oh, yes. And you feel you could do that as well? I feel like with the correct knowledge, which I'm going to gain from this course, it's totally in the realms of possibility for me. And I totally want to do it. And this, because we have the internet, this is a possibility for you. you yes. You can be a fitness personality <laughs> there. Yeah. And I think that you have had a lot of experience vlogging and making your own videos, right? Yes. And I think you have a, a good advantage there because you already know how to talk to the camera. You already have a personality for the camera. And I think that's also helped you with cafe work, isn't it? Oh, because definitely. If you can talk to the camera. I've, uh, got, I've got the confidence and the ease of character because when you start, you get really stiff and you have this sort of stiff exchange. But I've managed to get to that point where I've got my own personality. I'm easygoing and relaxed and confident. And that has all spilled over into when I have to deal with customers and things at work. So if you can talk to a camera, you can talk to a real person. Oh, easily. Well, I know that as well, that when I started out uh, making videos and podcasting, go back right to the early ones, I didn't sound nearly as confident as I do now. I'm and you're more sort of more, you're just sort of more stiff and formal with it. It's not relaxed, you know, conversationally. It's always slightly more stiff and awkward. That's right. And uh, I'm more myself now and I can sit here and talk to myself and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. I enjoy it. But at first it feels so wrong. It's like when you see a new employee come into work and they're always so awkward when talking to customers and they recite the lines that they've been told to say and you can tell that they don't want to be there and don't like what they're saying and it feels wrong. But then you see someone with experience come in and it's natural and flows and the customer's like their best friend. <laughs> yes. So it's interesting how we develop uh, in confidence and become more relaxed, isn't it? it just, is. just practice and persevering with something that we want to do, taking on the challenge and not saying, well, that I did it really it feels, badly. It feels bad. I don't want to do it. Instead of saying, well, I'm going to get better. So Yes. And then with practice, you do get better, don't you? Oh, definitely. All right. So you're going to want to set up your own fitness channel, your own design, your own fitness programs, do eBooks maybe. And I think that you're going to be using your passions of videography and 
photography to do all that. Yes. So I believe if you listen to any of the podcasts I've made with mum, you've all heard how I wanted to do photography for years. And so you might be suddenly sitting here going, wait, she's given up? She doesn't want to do photography after all? She's changed her mind? But you haven't, have you? Oh, no. The Like, I love photography, but the typical jobs you go into with photography and the typical areas of photography aren't as exciting as this one to me, this route of doing things to me. This way I get to combine everything I love into one thing and I get to do everything I love because if I go online and build my own online personality and build up my own brand, I'm going to be using all my camera skills and photography, web design, all those other things I've learned. I'm going to be using all of those and I can do everything at once. But I feel like if I went the traditional route of only doing photography and you know, becoming, say, a portrait photographer, that would have been my sole focus. And things like fitness and my other hobbies would have fallen down and I wouldn't have been able to keep them all up. And I would have just focused on that one. And I would have missed out on so much. Well, there's something else that you're hoping to do if you want to keep incorporating all your passions. Now, I've heard that, well, I don't know because I live with you, but other people might have heard that you are interested in cooking as well. Nutrition, you're always talking about nutrition and you have uh, food intolerance. So that has made you extra sensitive to ingredients and finding good food to eat. It's given me a drive to find out more about nutrition and balanced eating and things like that. And so you're always adapting recipes, making your own recipes up, cooking for us, aren't you? Oh, yes. I think people sometimes get tired when I go, I have this brilliant idea for a new recipe. I don't think so. I think we all enjoy it. <laughs> and the very always, well, I'll say always, 98% of the time successful. Sometimes you modify them slightly, don't you? Yes. But you've had some real good successes recently. But I'm talking about that. If we combine that with photography and videography... You can do your own recipe books. Especially if I then go on after I do the personal training course, which I'm not sure if I will or not, but I am contemplating the idea of afterwards saving up and studying nutrition as well so I can have a qualification in nutrition. So that will be good for your recipe books. To because like then it. on the front it can be it can say, you know, approved by, and there can be my name and your my, qualification. my qualification, which would be absolutely amazing because i already know that you want to uh film some recipes don't you you want to actually get all the ingredients out and you want to make little videos about how you make things and you've talked about getting one of those tripods which allows the camera to go um, uh to the camera to go vertically horizontally so you can stare straight down yeah so you get a, a, a view from above. above that's right so that's one thing you'd like to do yes Okay, so it sounds really exciting to me. You've got lots and lots of things, lots and lots of ideas, and you'll be working with all your passions. Oh, yes. It's you sound... an exciting future. I was just going to say, you sound excited. <laughs> Next year is going to be my year. So I don't think you said that at the beginning. People will, will be disappointed when they hear what you want to do because maybe I built it up into being something fantastic. <laughs> but I think that's pretty good. It's How even... many people get to do something that involves all the pa their passions, something that really excites them, 
and they can see this plan which is different from everybody else's plan and maybe it isn't the usual you know you people might say oh look that's a bit silly thinking about that and it's a lot of risk in it but I mean, you've got to try these things. Oh, definitely. Other, other people have succeeded, haven't they? If someone's done it, it's possible. Now, there was one more thing to do with that. You were telling me earlier, we were talking about how you can be a fitness um, uh, personal trainer, right? And it seems like a young person's job. And people might say to you, but you won't be young all your life. Now, tell me what you could do in the future. Well... Fitness isn't something only young people need to maintain. It is kind of important for people of all ages to be fit and healthy. And especially if you walk into a gym, the, in the gym I go to, the majority of the people who get trained there are 40 plus. So they're not the young people who want the abs and, you know, the ripped muscles. They think they can do it themselves without a personal trainer. Yeah, the, it's a lot of the people who want to do it are people who are older and want you know, more of a lifestyle approach and a sustainable approach to it. And so in the future, much, much, much in the future when I'm older, I could market myself towards those kind of people and focus on you know older people and I'd be relatable to those kind of people because you don't see a lot of people in the fitness world who are older. They're all the young really buff looking people who look nice and look really attractive but really don't can't connect with the older community as well yes so just because you get older doesn't mean you are going to lose your fitness in such it doesn't mean that you don't have all the knowledge and you can't keep up what you're doing and also you were telling me about some youtube channels uh that do have a young face as the presenter but tell me about what goes on behind the scenes. So there are some fitness people online who they're really big on things like YouTube and Instagram and they have these big followings and everyone goes, you know, how do you maintain, how did you get to be as fit as you are? How do I get a body like yours? And then they all go, well, they'll get this idea, well, I need to make a fitness program and sell it and they want to do it. But in reality, these a lot of these people are following have their own personal trainers who are training them and they're doing a set training plan which isn't theirs and I've seen a lot of people team up with their personal trainer to create and sell a guide so it's written by the personal trainer who might be older who might be older you don't know who this personal trainer is but it's just a little name at the bottom who developed it and the whole guide is under the name of the fitness influencer and it's sold by them and marketed by them. It's their course, but you've written it and the personal trainer's written it and developed it and is getting the income from it because it's their course. So that some people don't want to be the front face, but they can help other people with their knowledge and experience to, to help promote them. Yes, they can. you can work for someone else. That's interesting. I never actually considered that before, that there were other people behind the scenes, behind the popular young fitness people. A lot of the time, those people aren't qualified to do personal training. A lot of the people you see who are the fitness influencers, they're not big. They don't have the knowledge. 
and they're just following what personal trainers say to them and they don't have a right really to say anything properly because you could, no one's going to follow the word really of someone who's not qualified. But this way they have someone else who is qualified being able to say it's approved by someone with a qualification and it's safe. So they're basing their work on somebody else's. They're basing it on some knowledge which is approved and qualified. Okay, then. That's really interesting, isn't it? It is. So if you get tired of being in front of the camera, you can always pair up with somebody else. And who go behind to... the scenes. That's right. You can be the fa- They can be the face and you can be the, the person behind the scenes. Yes. That's really interesting. Well, I'm really excited for you, Sophie, and very proud that you have ideas that you're putting into action. You're finding a way to do what you really enjoy. And not only that, you've thought about things as debt and you're willing to work hard and support yourself. Pay for your own way. A bit different from uh, what most people your age are doing. Oh, I think so. I mean, I think they all think you're a bit strange. I don't think they <laughs> I can't understand. relate to people my own age. <laughs> I think they uh, can't quite believe what you're doing, and I don't think that they would have the courage or maybe even the desire to follow the pathway you're going along because they want to keep along the safe pathway. Go along the safe way, which has been found out. And some people don't want to push ahead so quickly. They want to take take it a little bit easier, and you know, it, the easier route is often a slower route, you know, you know, just do things easy. Because some of the people you work with, the young girls your age, they're, they're not pushing ahead on a career yet. They haven't they haven't got much idea of what they want to do, even though they're your age. But they also they don't envy you working every day of the week because that's too much hard work. They've yeah. Got, they they want, still want to go along the easy way where they just earn pocket money. And just go to school. Not that I think school is easy, but it's a fully supported uh, stage of their life. Yes. And they go out with their friends and they don't have any responsibility. It's a pre-written route. It's safe and you know what's going to happen and there's no risk to it. And no responsibility. Exactly. And so they really don't envy you your freedom but because they don't understand it. But you don't envy them either, do you? Oh, no. I'm... I am on my way to doing something so amazing. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I feel like I'm a couple of steps ahead of them. <laughs> right, you don't feel that you're a... I don't feel like I'm dragging behind and I'm missing out. I'm like, I've moved on. I'm on to the next stage of life. <laughs> well, we we are different. We've always been different. Always. But when you get together with other people your own age in situations like work, it really does drive it home to you that you are different, doesn't I, They can't really relate to me very well. <laughs> All right, talking about relating, I've got one more thing to talk about with you, and that is socialization. <laughs> relating to other people, that was a nice uh, lead-in, wasn't it? It was. And I think it was my last podcast. Was it or was it the one before? I'm getting confused. <laughs> can't even remember what I... Yes, I, I'm not even sure now. <laughs> anyway, in the last couple of podcasts, I was talking about unschooled socialization. I think it was the one before last. Um, being different, making friends, or it could have been making friends, being different. You see how organized I am today? <laughs> I don't sound like I've got it all together, do I? I should have got you to sit down and make all the notes for me because you're much more organized than me. But anyway, we were talking about socialization and how unschoolers are different, yes? Yeah. You go to a homeschool group and we don't necessarily fit in because homeschool groups 
can be run on very organized lines. Oh yeah, they've got it's very much a preset out way of doing things. They have a different activity for each week, and、uh, you talk between these times and do the activities between these times, and you have to eat this meal. It's very set out and guided. It's like going to school again. And you have not that you've been to school. <laughs> Well, so you've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> and there's also rules, isn't there? Kids have to abide by the rules so that everybody is happy. Not that they were happy because there were so many. There was always an argument going on somewhere, and someone yelling at someone. We didn't fit in, did we? No, we, we didn't have the same sort of things to talk about. The you were always asked, "What year of school are you in?" And you'd think. I don't know. I don't, know. <laughs> what I don't do school. What assignments are you working on? Well, no, we're not. not. <laughs> and then, they never quite got us. And then people would say to the other mothers, "We talk about things like my child just won't do his schoolwork," and I'm thinking, "Oh well, just let him be. <laughs> let him do what he wants." But I couldn't say that because that's not the answer they wanted, and I just felt that I had to be you quiet. You couldn't say any. You couldn't be yourself or say anything. No, they were nice people, but different ideas to what we had, and we just didn't fit in. They weren't, they weren't the right group for us. Well, we haven't found a right group. <laughs> Not yet. It's well, a long process. But anyway, we decided that we wouldn't go anymore, didn't we? We got up one morning and we looked at each other and said, "Should we go or should we stay home?" And we stay home. And <laughs> every was, meeting for the past few weeks, we've been like, "That's really." We want to stay home, and I think we told ourselves that we'd given it a fair go, and nobody could say that we hadn't tried. But we knew it wasn't the right thing for us. No,、right? even though people said to us, "You have to take your kids out; they need friends. You have to do something because you can't keep them at home by yourself." Well, quite apart from the fact, that, you know, there's lots of us at home. <laughs> it's not as if we haven't got any company. But people were telling us that you'll never learn how to relate to other people if never, you don't meet anyone outside your family. You'll never learn communication skills. Never learn how to talk to people. Never learn conflict resolution, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And I think you've done all right without that, because as we were talking about, you don't necessarily learn those things at such places as homeschool groups, do you? Oh no. And you can learn them without going to groups because I'm sure your kids have learnt them all right. You really, I like to think so. You can talk to people, can't you? Easily, and you can just see by working with other young people at the cafe that you have no trouble at all talking with the customers. Where they're all a little bit shy, don't know what to say. I'm the most confident, outgoing, easygoing member of staff because I work so frequently. I've gotten so comfortable with it. And all these school people are so awkward. They can't socialize with someone outside of their own grade, which I find is the issue with a lot of school kids. Is they can't seem to talk properly to anyone who isn't their own age, and they can't relate to anybody. So when you get them in like a work environment where they have to talk to people, you know, seventy years older than them, they're suddenly they don't know how to communicate anymore, and it's stiff and awkward. Whereas I've I've spent my life growing up talking to people of all ages. And I've just got a certain way of doing things, and and you're not doing too badly for an introvert, hey? No, I'm not doing too badly. We don't do too badly as an introverted family. Just because we don't like going out and being part of big groups doesn't mean that we can't actually talk to people. Oh, definitely not. All right, so now we have 
re-talked about, we've talked again about it again, what I was talking about in my podcast, whatever number that was. I've repeated it all. <laughs> get my words in a muddle now. Anyway, let's get on to what I really wanted to talk about, which is what I have already talked about before as well, <laughs> and that's NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. And really, if people have been listening to my podcast for the last few weeks, you will know that we're just talking about things that I've already talked to you about, but this time I'm talking to Sophie about them as well. So you're getting her side of the story and not just me telling you what happened. So you will remember that I said that Imogen and Sophie were going to a few NaNoWriMo events. They were going to meet up with other NaNoWriMo writers from Sydney and do some writing events. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that, Sophie? Well, this is the first year we've actually done it. This is our eighth NaNoWriMo. And by now, this is like the most exciting month of the year because we get to do this. But this is... A what, what are you doing exactly? Writing, a, it's a challenge online to write a 50,000 word novel in 30 days. And this is the first year that we've actually gotten involved in the physical events in local areas. So there are these things called write-ins, which are held, which is basically a massive event where all the different writers in your area get together and work on their novels and write together. So you see people face-to-face. -face. Yes, people face-to-face -face see the people you are communicating with online and who are also doing this challenge. So have you enjoyed it? Yes, so much. <laughs> All right, so you're an introverted person who never goes out to seize people. No, no, right? Let me finish. And, of course, you don't know how to make friends, do you? No, I can't make friends in the slightest. How do you get on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the best. So normally I'm introverted and I hate going to social events. But for some reason, me and Amy have been so excited about this and it was fine. These were people who were like-minded kind of people doing the same things we were doing. You always had something to talk about. You were doing things which interested everybody. It was amazing to be surrounded by that. So it reminds me of going to the race. It was a similar sort of feeling because you're with so many people who are so passionate about the same sort of things you are with such an amazing sort of energy going through. Everyone is excited for each other and they're encouraging each other. If someone's struggling a little bit on word count, then there's the cheering, you know, you can do it. I'll just set another word sprint and we'll write you up to that point. And there's all this cheering when you hit a goal. Even the people who are so much ahead of you are cheering for the people who are struggling so badly. It's like a friendly competition kind of thing. So it sounds to me like the best way to get in contact with people and to socialize isn't to go to a group that is set up for everybody, like a homeschool group, but to choose a group that's centered around something you're interested in. Oh, yeah. definitely. Something which is just all so passionate about. And I'm so sad now because November's almost over and we've been to our last write-in that we can make. And it's all over for a year. We won't see these people for another year. And it's we just got into this amazing circle. And I'm going to miss it till next year. But you never know because... There might be other events which will be held after this. And we're starting to get to know all the people in the groups a lot more. And we're only an hour and a half yeah, away from Sydney. Yeah, we're only a little way away. And who knows? It might 
We might meet them again next year. We might arrange to meet up earlier. Who knows where it'll go. But it's just, it's been an amazing month. The other thing about that is parents get a little bit anxious about socialization and their kids having friends. But I don't think it really matters when you make contact with an interest group or you make friends because, I mean, you're 17 and you've, for the first time, gone to Sydney and you have made friends with these fellow writers, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter that it's you're 17 doing it. It, it, you didn't have to practice all. No, you mean? don't really have to build up the skills from like toddler age to be able to make a friend. We've got to go to this group every week for all these years to gain these skills so that you can make friends in for life. Yeah. So it's not really how friendship works. No. So you didn't come in at a disadvantage by not really doing a lot of socialization up to the age of 17. Oh, no. No. Anyway, you always go and talk to people as in every day anyway, don't you? Exactly. In it's my parish. job. Well, even before you got a job, you were... Was, I was a friendly person. Not yeah. extroverted, just friendly. Well, that's good. Well, I think that's all we want to talk about, Sophie. We've spoken, spoken for quite some time today. I'm going to make this podcast run over time yet again. Well, there's always so much to talk about. And I might sound like a very proud mother, right? <laughs> for all the things that you are doing. And people might think, oh, look, she's just talking about how wonderful her daughter is. Well, to be quite honest, I am proud of you. <laughs> and I don't think that we should hold back from telling our kids that which we're behind them, that, you know, I'm, you're supporting me and you're encouraging me and approve of what I'm doing. So does that make a difference to you? Oh, definitely. Like when I decided I wanted to completely change what I was doing and the, my whole goal in life to become, you know, personal trainer, I was like, my first thought was, I hope mum likes this. I would have done it anyway because it was what I wanted to do. But I wanted mum to be excited about it with me and encourage me and you know, approve of what I was doing. So how, when have, haven't I been encouraging? Never. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew mum would encourage me. Yeah. She just wanted to know more about it. I have once Imogen said to me, she said, if parents don't believe in their kids... Who will? That it's important for kids to know that their parents are behind them. Yes. Yes. And that are proud of them and will encourage and support them in their dreams. Definitely. Especially when we live in a world which is very conventional and you will get a lot of people who will raise their eyebrows at the very least if they don't even say anything. Yeah. yeah. Some people come out and say it, but a lot of people just raise their eyebrows, don't they? And you know that they're thinking you're a bit strange. Yes. So you need your family to be verbally supportive, they don't you? They have to be your cheer group. Yeah, we all we cheer each other along, don't we? And the other point I want to make about that is I want to share your story, not because I want to tell the world about the wonderful things you're doing, but what will happen, what the possibilities are if we do trust our kids and let them follow their passions and their interests. And I want to... Show what could be the the future yeah. for your child. Yes, but not even like they might run and they might get a medal or they might be the best personal trainer ever, but how happy and joyful you are as a person, how excited you are about life because you're doing something that you're really interested in and you're motivated. You will go out there and you will work hard. And I think that sometimes people, when they're thinking about unschooling and they think, oh, well, kids allowed to do whatever they like they're going to do nothing at all they're 
going to be lazy. They're going to have no drive. They need people to push them through life. What do you think about that? <laughs> it's the typical old excuse as to why unschooling will never work. It's the one everyone brings up. So you think that people should have more confidence in children? I think children deserve a lot more trust and faith in their abilities and their drive. I really do think that children want to do something. Uh, they want to do something with their lives. They want to do something important, something that will make a difference, something that will use their talents and their skills. And it's an unfulfilling life not to. And people, kids realize how unfulfilling it feels and they want to strive for more. Maybe a lot of adults wish that they could go back and have the opportunities that you're having, or maybe they've just given up. But but we shouldn't squash children. Uh, we shouldn't uh, say you can't do this and that's a silly idea. Let kids try. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay, well, you're certainly trying. I mean, <laughs> I'm a trying child. <laughs> no, no, no. You are trying hard, right? You're working hard. So we're coming to the end of, what's this, episode 142. Oh, look at that, 142. I'm stacking them up. <laughs> Still going. We've been at it a while. Oh, I have, haven't I? Okay, then, what's left to say, Sophie? Show notes on my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. You can also join me on Instagram at Stories of an Unschooling Family. You're on Instagram too, aren't you? I am. You're there a few places. I am. All right, then tell us what, where you are. The Technomade. The Technomade, <laughs> which reflects your interest in technology, hey? Yes. It's mainly used at the moment for like writing updates and books and those kind of exciting things. And then my other ones, Tough Turtle, Tough Dot Turtle. And that reflects your tough attitude <laughs> towards uh, exercise and fitness. Yes. Your tough mental attitude or the way you get into your fitness and work hard at it. Yes? Yes. Okay, Tough Turtle and the Techno Maid. I'll put some links in the show notes. You might need them with my usernames. Anything else? I think that's it. We could ask people to uh, give us a review and a rating. That would be nice. We'd appreciate everyone. It we all ha- helps support us. We haven't had a review or a rating for months. And maybe that's because I never ask for them. But you're good at advertising, so you ask for one. <laughs> Well, a rating would greatly help and support our podcast. It would. And it would let other people know that we're worth listening to. It would, wouldn't it? It would. I think you can just give a five-star rating without saying anything if you'd like. And even that would help us greatly and help us get out there more and spread our message. Spread the word about unschooling. Exactly. And how it is such a fantastic life. Exactly. Okay, then. We'd just like to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you would like to comment on anything that Sophie or I have said, or if you have any questions for Sophie, you could stop by my blog or you could stop by on Instagram. Or you could just stop by and say hello, hey? Oh, we'd love that. We're always happy to say hello. So I hope everybody is well and happy, having a wonderful unschooling week. And I should be back next week with another episode. But until then, don't forget to love. No. Ah, you got it wrong last time. <laughs> I know. Trust. Hang on Trust, a minute. respect, and love unconditionally. That's right. Let's do that again. <laughs> and until next time, don't forget to trust, respect, and love unconditionally. <laughs>
Thank you, Sophie. Thank you so much for joining me.